there's any one thing, if there was just one thing for people to really get, which they can't, is just how fucking consuming it is. Hello, this is your host, Dr. Daniel Avasar. I am a brain injury survivor turned neuroscientist. I got into neuroscience to help me make sense of what happened to my mind after my traumatic brain injury. When I was 18 years old, I suffered a severe traumatic brain injury, and it took me about seven years to regain my cognition, my memory, and to get used to the changes that took place in my mind. I hid what I had been through, and I worked very hard at school. I earned a PhD in neuroscience from Dartmouth, followed by a postdoc researcher position at the University of Oregon. I studied the brain at a neurophysiological, cellular, and systems level, which left me with a bottom-up perspective of what had changed in me after my brain injury. But across my recovery, my education, and my research, I never found anything that accurately represents the brain injury survivor's experience. Once I started meeting other brain injury survivors, I realized how important it is to hear about our experiences firsthand. This podcast is devoted to in-depth discussion with other brain injury survivors, focused on our experiences, our problems, and the ways we have found to navigate our lives and our struggles. I hope to connect brain injury survivors through our stories. I hope to help the non-brain injured world learn more about what we are dealing with. And when possible, I hope to connect what is known about the brain with our unique experiences. Welcome to Experiencing My Brain. The views and opinions expressed in the Experiencing My Brain podcast are intended to promote awareness and provide information of what brain injury survivors have to deal with. This information should not be considered as medical or clinical advice. Always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider regarding any medical conditions you may have. Randy is the first person I sat with and really talked about the nature of our brain injury problems. We had been talking about stuff for a year at the support groups um, before COVID isolation happened. And, you know, that group was at a community center, so it got shut down. And then we switched to talking on the phone. The phone discussion that we were having, I realized, oh, this can become a podcast because the stuff we're talking about is like the nature of the brain injury issues. And it's, um, it's it's hard to explain. So, you know, like in the intro, he's talking about the constantness of the brain injury problems. That's something that he and I have talked about multiple times. I think it equates to the parts of your brain or inner nervous system that got injured, that got hurt, that you have um, a feeling of it, a sense of it, and it causes a constant like internal pressure, but they're of different types. Um, The clearest example is uh, fatigue and the chronic fatigue that comes with brain injury but there's a lot of other examples I'm not going to get into that here but 
this recording picks up right when I had the idea to record the discussions and I hung up on Randy, I got my computer. I apologize for the sound quality and also there's a few points where I'm typing, so I'm sorry about that. In one of the sessions, Randy's talking about a therapy that was sensory learning. Okay, this is episode 13 of Experiencing My Brain. So I'm recording now. Um, You asked me a question, what am I trying to do? Initial thing I tried to do to understand what happened to me. And I don't think you can, but I, maybe I'm stubborn. I, I don't, there's frankly, Dan, yeah. if there's something, I would agree with you. I don't think you can either. Okay. But the rest of with that same thing, people don't have any answers. I have, I have some answers. Some answers that make sense in some ways, but it, it still doesn't really make sense is a problem. Like, um, for example, if you lose your cognition or lose your memory, I think people can make sense of that. And the science makes sense of these systems in us that produce our cognition and produce our memory. But then the deeper you go in the other things you lose, people have no idea what you're talking about. It's probably things that your brain does that you have no idea that it does because it's how your brain creates your reality. Boy, if there was ever a truer statement spoken. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then it's like, well, what the hell does that mean? And so, okay, so I started writing about it a few years ago. I started writing about what happened to me. The writing is not very good. I was trying to make sense of things, so I'm describing it and coming up with terms. And then when I started... When you say your writing, writing is not very good, Yeah. do you mean in terms of grammatically or in terms of express, expressing what you're trying to get out, or both? The expression part was the first hurdle, and I think I've found ways to express it, but then the content and the writing style, I feel, was very... Um, it's very hard to read, so now I'm trying to work on that. And that has led me to like trying to learn how to just write a story. As I'm writing about it, as I'm sort of reliving it, I meet people that had similar experiences. I once thought, and I once was sure, no one ever would understand this. No one's ever experienced this. Nobody understands what the hell I'm saying, and that's that. But now it's like, okay, there's more than me. Other people have also gone through something similar but different. Right. You're not going to, you know, imagination does not replicate experience. Right. And um, so when you talk to somebody who has not been injured, maybe they had a slight impression at some point, but, you know, they're never going to get the experience. I think that that's a great point. The levels at which my reality changed, all, all these things that were once like um, parts of what was normal and parts of what I didn't even realize they were gone or they were changed. And then I, I think I did a pretty good job dealing with them over about seven years, but it was very, very difficult. And I didn't try to explain it to anyone. I didn't want to explain it to anyone because they wouldn't understand and they weren't, not only do they not help, but it's super frustrating. So cut to 17 then years. Why are you, then given what you just said, then why are you going through this whole exercise? Because then cut to 17 years later, when I did start slowly talking to people, then I'm like, okay, there's definitely not similarity with everyone's what changed, but there are some people that I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I went through, or that's so similar. This has happened with you and me more than once. You're telling me something that I've only thought about and never explained, and then I'm like, okay, it happened to him. Let me ask you something. Yeah. Did you go into, you got your PhD in 
Neuroscience, like with neurophysiology being the focus. Did you go into did you go into the sciences, more specifically the neurosciences, because of your experience with the injury? Yes, and or is that something that you had, is that something you had planned and intended and were interested in doing before you were injured? Before my injury, I was like just turned eighteen. To start college, I was an undeclared major because I liked everything. I liked science, political science, humanities. So I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I just made up a reason why I was studying it. But then only years later, after I had said that, I studied neuroscience. I had a brain injury. The two are not related. Um, after I said that like a million times, I'm like, wait, that's not true. And, and I always had to like hide this part because this is not what scientists talk about. A week or two ago, we heard somebody talking about a change that they went through in their recovery. This was in one of the group meetings. And you immediately recommended to her to go to table tennis. And I think of my recovery as many of those changes, many of those leveling up where it's like these parts of you that are gone, they come back. And exercise was a huge one, a booster, or like a way to get these levels back. Um, still took time. It still was insane and still doesn't make sense but kind of makes sense i remember you telling me about something like that with the treatment you recently did but when you get into the experiences of those changes that kind of starts to make sense so if you remember what you remember about the changes that went through you after that last therapy you did you know it's interesting um about two weeks ago i called i spoke to julie the woman who did the sensory learning in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. And um, it definitely did do something, but I have no idea what. But halfway through the two-week session, I think I told you that I woke up and the entire room of the hotel that we were in was spinning. Right. Right. Um, I told you about this. And that subsided. We made it to the place. I bend over to pet the dog. When we got it, it happened again. Only it was the entire outside, everything again. So when I think back on it now, I initially described it that it was as though you were on a 10 speed bike and you're shifting gears. And when you have to reverse the pedals to make sure the chain sits right on the gear or something like that. The way I would describe it now, it was as though there was a Rubik's Cube in my head that got straightened out and figured out. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how else to put it, but I'm not sure what it did. Once once it was straightened out, what was there? Or does that make sense? Like what was the what was the change? Or is that um, something the only thing that I've come up with, I don't know how good this is, but um, you know, let me back up a moment. When I started playing table tennis, when in 2012, I think it was, I yeah. couldn't play. I could, like, I'll be looking at everybody else. I couldn't play very well. I sucked. I lasted 10 minutes. I'd have to lie down, blah, blah, blah. The brain fog was pretty thick and intense. Over following 18 months or so, 18 months or two years, I don't remember exactly how long, somewhere in there, it had dawned on me. And what I had noticed one day was that the brain fog that I had when I started was gone. Yeah. Completely. Okay? Okay. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I was still doing Tai Chi at the time. 
I think after the sensory learning, what struck me was that there may have still have been some veneer of a brain fog that I wasn't even aware of. It's as though that brain fog was like a dirty window. Right. And, and somebody came along with a wet towel and you know, tried to clean the window, and they, while they may have gotten a lot of dirt off, it's, it's, it's better than it was, but it's still kind of smudgy. I mean, it's not like looking through a clear window, but it is clearer than what it was. I don't know how else to put it. Right. Well, and in that sense, what is the window? Or what are you able to explain about that? Boy, easy question, sir. Uh, I don't know that I can. <laughs> it's for, yeah, for me. I don't, I don't know how to explain. I don't know how to explain what it is. Right. Well, that's, um, I mean, you, 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 you already you touched upon it earlier when you referred to, um, oh, shit, I just lost my train of thought. Well, I don't know, I don't know what the word was that I used, but it's reality, it's perception, it's... it's that was it, yeah. yeah. When you mentioned earlier about, you know, how you see, you know, your, your reality. Yes. If the window is cleaner, I, I can't, I can't sit here and say to you, does my sense of reality somehow seem different than it was before? Okay. I don't know. And I think there's a lot of, and I think this is true for a lot, not everybody that's gone through a brain injury, got to be a hell of a lot of them. But I think there's an element of self-delusion with a brain injury. Why? Because the, the, the computer chip that's making the observation is dysfunctional. And the observation that you think that you're seeing may not be actually what you're seeing. Sure. One example would be social social deficits. The inability to pick up on social cues, facial expressions, body language, whatever, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. How you see it or not seeing it, if you don't pick up on it, well, that, you know, that's your reality. You're not picking up on something, but it doesn't mean that it isn't there. You know, I had and that... that point, because what's observing it is broken. Yeah, I had that fully... There's this, there's this, it's like a circular reference. No. Sure, but given given that we are limited to our own, you know, mind and brain, and I've, I I made sure that what I was doing was as close to normal as could be, through other means, through, you know, if you take a test and you get a hundred percent versus you get twenty percent, there's some level with which you're performing like the normal, or you're performing like an average, or even better than an average student. You know, I'm talking to someone about how my mind doesn't feel like my mind. You have your pie reference that, like, you're like a pie that slices or moves. And then someone else is telling me they're like a snow globe that got cracked. And then we all use the word brain fog in different ways and blank out. I don't know if you had blank outs. Enough of what I've discussed what, with people. Did you say blank outs? Blank outs with an N, like B-L-A-N-K, uh, out, I guess. What Where you blank outs? Like... I would sit and try to do something and I would push myself so hard that everything in me would just crash. And it wasn't a physical crash. It was a mental crash. But the physical consequence was that I just had to like lay down and basically sleep and eat and sleep some more. Um, I had those for years. I, I don't recall. Um, I don't know if I went 
through that or not. I'm thinking, but I'm thinking about it. The cognitive rehab that I went to, you know, they would give you simple stuff that you would think any normal person would be thinking simple. Yeah. Right. Give you four numbers, you beat them backwards. God, what a fucking Herculean effort that took to do that. Yeah. And you, just, you try and describe the effort, and somebody looks at you like, what are you talking about? Right. It seems to me that your your undergraduate and your entire education was your rehab. Oh, absolutely. It was 100% that. And the changes that I went through remind me of the changes that you talk about, that people, you know, like Dave talked about with Tai Chi and with walking. His, what he told me about with walking was like what I remember with the very beginning of starting to redo math. Reasoning and cognition was gone. And I slowly got it back. And then once I had it, I remember driving with my siblings and I was telling them the exercise I was doing. And, you know, they didn't realize what they were doing. They're all younger than me. And they're like, well, I can do that and I can do that. And then they just kept doing it. I'm like, yes, of course you can. You don't have... They weren't impaired. Their chip was functioning okay. (laughs) And so, yeah. And from that point, I slowly got a little better and slowly a little better. And just a lot of um, pushing. In a few points, there was like, these big changes, these, it's like leveling up, like all of a sudden I have this part of me or these parts of me back, and then I can do more. You know, it was in, I, I'm pretty sure it was in the first year of, our, of my being injured. Okay. And I was seeing this therapist. I don't remember how I came across it, but I, I found out that there was a community meeting for TBI survivors in a home for people with severe brain injury. And I went to this meeting, and the therapist told me, he, he suggested that I not do it. I don't remember exactly why, but I went. And I just sat and listened. There were two things that I remember from it. One, the guy who was sitting at the table at the front talked about how he lost his marriage, he lost his family, he lost everything. And, you know, he didn't, there was nothing visible about his, his injury at all. Right. A lot of other people in the room, these are people who are wheelchairs, canes, walkers, drooling from their chin. You know, you could barely understand what they were saying. Well, you, you couldn't make out what they were saying because of their speech impediments. Yeah. Okay? But what struck me about everybody in that room, I don't care how badly they were injured, okay? Everybody, every one of them understood everything that was going on in that room of what was being said, who was saying it, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. The difference was their inability to communicate out. I I was still able to talk, but I kind of had the impression that I don't think my conversations were very coherent at all. And I just remember unbelievable amounts of frustration beyond description. And, you know, and out of that, we could get a lot of anger, blah, blah, blah. You, you, that you would have that. I, I just, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I just tend to think that that's got to happen to everybody. Kind of like how they say memory impairments are sort of like standard operating procedure with a brain injury, right? Yeah. You know, I, mean, well, I was writing to my friend about that. It just became the frustration in all caps and bold and underlined. Because I was trying to explain to him that level of frustration that... Yeah, but I I couldn't do any exercise for, I don't know, probably a decade, whatever it was, a long time. Why? The fatigue was just beyond the pale. I mean, there was just no energy at all. I see. When 
Tai Chi the first time, I don't even remember how I even got there, but they, there's something called the Wu Stance, and there's 128 forms in the entire movement of Tai Chi. Okay. And the Wu posture contains all of those forms, all of those different forms. Uh-huh. It's very basic. It's the first thing that you're taught in Tai Chi. I could barely stand and maintain my balance. They had me sit in a chair holding my arms out in the Wu posture. And I didn't go back for five years. When I went there, I never, ever thought I would be able to do this. And PK, one of the instructors, kept on telling me one thing all the time, which I never quite understood for a long time. What she said? You know what that was? What? Get up. Don't think. Just move. Yeah. Don't think about the movements. So when you're talking about all this stuff, what struck me mm-hmm. is was it was... It was almost like looking in a mirror in, in the sense of this is what I was accused of. My mind was too analytical. So it was yours. That's how you were trained. As so was I. Yeah. And there's a difference between letting go of that, not thinking about stuff and feeling it. For sure. Um, it's the thing. I think it's the same thing with any kind of meditation. Um, but I have a really hard time trying to sit and meditate. I mean, I've been working on it, but it is fucking difficult. That thing of Tai Chi, I've learned that through like certain sports. Um, it's basically like, you know, people call it the flow state when you're really in the moment in your body. Yeah, yeah right. The, the zone, if you will. And I think that knowing that from growing up, was something I was able to use that in my recovery because I was constantly needing to be there for at least some part of the day. And I think that it bolstered or helped the rest of my recovery. And I think there's a lot of science about that. Probably so. Yeah. Brain injury or not, the more you use it, the better off you are. Yeah. One of the problems that I've been left with, this is a major problem for me, is that I find it very, very, very difficult get interested in anything, let alone trying to stay interested in anything. Interesting. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I know that that wasn't me before, and now it's just fucking hard. When you don't get interested, what happens? Do you get disinterested or some other feeling? Say that again? When you lose interest in something, what is that part like? Well, to begin with, Losing interest in something, that statement implies that you actually had interest to begin with. Yes. I have a hard time even getting to that. Okay. Well, you know, and that, I and, think, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I think, you know, how do I put it? You know, I didn't start, I didn't go to Tai Chi out of some desire because, hey, I wanted to learn the martial arts. It was in the context of, this might be therapeutic for you. For said, sure. Sure, I'll give it a, you know, I'll try it, you know, you know, whatever. And I just kept going at it until one day I realized that I could hold the little posture and I couldn't feel the weight of my own body. Very cool. That was being in the zone. Yeah. You put it. Yeah. Um, that doesn't happen all the time. That's not an easy state to get to. But um, you, but once you had it in your life, it changed things, or at least 
that's my experience with those kinds of activities. It changes things in you for the better. More of me is there. My capacities are better. Reality is less strange. Here's something you should read Bruce Lipton's book. <laughs> I'll read it, I'll read it. I, I, I gotta tell you, there are, his was, the, his was the third most profound book that I've ever read. What's the first? The first two? Yeah. The first two was the Tao of Physics. Huh. By, I'm not gonna say his name, his last name's Capra. The other uh, was The Universe in a Single Atom by the Dalai Lama. Uh-huh. And the third was Bruce Lipton's book, The Biology of Belief. It's a profound book. It's not, it's not, it's, and it's not going to be what you think. <laughs> a lot of it. I mean, I don't know. I actually don't, I don't know what to think about it. Does he have a brain injury? You know, <laughs> Sorry. No, no. The thing, one of the things Claire said, Claire said to me a long time ago, or maybe she told it to a doctor or something, I don't remember who. You know, I started, I designed this whole new model for financing healthcare that is very counterintuitive. It's stumped a lot of just about everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is passed muster every time. And the model was done before I got hurt. What I did years after the injury was I started doing a lot of writing. I wrote a treatise, I tried to get it published, blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, it came out with Phil and I ended up coming out with a book in July of 16. But all of that writing was phenomenal rehab for me. Yeah. And I remember one day sitting at my desk, typing away, and all of a sudden it just hit me. Like looking at what it, look at what I was doing. Right. When six months or a year before or whatever it was, there was no way I could have done any of that. You know, I'm not saying I was writing very well, but at least I was able to get stuff out down on paper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there's levels. Um, but, you know, yeah. But, I can go on for hours about this thing. And Claire seems to think that the reason that I have such an easy time with it is because that's what I was working on most recently for a long period of time before the injury. It was like at the front of the file of the file cabinet drawer, so to speak. Okay. And um, you know, I is there any truth to that? You know, I don't know. Who knows? You know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But Even you, though I knew what it was. You knew what it was. Yeah, that's... But that didn't happen with the healthcare stuff. If you ask me a question about the health financing model, go off on it. Right, it wasn't... Nope. That trying to get at, or trying to do, or trying to... I had something similar, and the level of frustration, it's its like nothing I've ever felt. And then when I try to tell um, you know, clinicians or neurologists about it, they're like, oh, well... The with brain injury frustration is up overall, and that may or may not be the case. It's like they just like they just kind of discount it because they have no idea exactly. Like um, like I said at the beginning, yeah, imagination cannot replicate experience. That's why we need to get it out there. I don't know, and I don't think, and I don't think it's really a matter of being able to get it, you know, to understand it. Because they're not. They only need to get that there's just an enormous amount of frustration beyond the pale. 
frustration that you can't, that you've never experienced. Well, you know, the everything being so hard, that's something that is connected that people don't understand. And this is a generalization, but when it goes away is when those level up real changes happen. And that's hard to explain too. But um, I think of it a lot in these terms of these systems within systems that create ultimately everything that we experience. And then I'm, I'm just reducing... Multi, multivariant systems. Multivariant systems with a lot of dimensionality and overlap and the thing is that that being you and your reality that that's where i went and it's sort of like a dissociation but it's not like dissociation like what other people talk about ptsd it's something very different it's just that's the observing me that i was in until the things came back or until the things came back enough that i got used to it and um you know it even changed after that You probably wouldn't say yes to this now because you have a son, but prior to having your son or getting married, for any period of time after this injury happened, mm-hmm. did you ever have a thought that you wish you hadn't survived it? I don't think I had that thought until way, way later because for a long time... It was all about trying to get better, right? And I was like nothing matters because at least i'm alive which is weird but it's like at least like if if i anything is better than not having it anything is better than dying but then i think you know my depression it all came out within the last few years but yeah I, i had and i have and it was yeah everything came on way later really that emotional hole that i have been able to fall in I wasn't able to go there after my injury for over a decade. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I just kind of kept it kept it away or kept it inside or I kept it somewhere. Are you taking any prescription drugs? No. Been drug free for many years. Do you still have any problems with still having problems with depression at all? No. Um now it's COVID depression. If there's any one thing If there was just one thing for people to really get, which they can't, it's just how fucking consuming it is. Dude, thank you. I When the system and stuff in you that is gone or different, and it's never gone and better, it's always gone and worse, it's just so consuming and so constant. It's a problem in the fabric of what is what is me. Okay, I'm I'm recording with Randy. We've already started a discussion. It's not in the realm of consciousness to think about what happens to the subjective mind when a brain injury happens. And conundrum is... That you can't talk about it. I'm sorry? Well, you say what you think the conundrum is, and I'll say what I think like the conundrum is. That the... How did you put it? Sub- our subjective mind. Has been in some form or fashion and so it's subjectivity to quantify or qualify I guess another one a product that that produces in your head is you know is flawed by you know judgment evaluation blah 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 all that stuff everything's out of sync out of whack you said the chip is broken last the chip might you know has a malfunction in it 
Yeah. I think the example I used before was like a spreadsheet. You know, you're working in Excel, you know, this plus that minus this divided by that, blah, 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 blah. And you can confirm that result by pulling out a calculator and simply running the calculations by hand and confirming that you've gotten the same result. But if there's a malfunction in the chip on the computer, it may still produce a mathematical result based upon what you've typed in. Same thing with a head injury. It's ability to judge, evaluate, assess, whatever, to some degree or other, put it in the Philadelphia vernacular, sucks. <laughs> in my experience, you know, the subjective mind stuff, the stuff in my head that stays in my head changed. Cognitive stuff changed. It was almost gone and I had to really fight and work right. hard. But other functions that we have in our social interaction and in our judgment and our ways that we navigate. Like, don't get me wrong. I made plenty of mistakes and did stupid stuff, but I was able to hide it. Either I had very little of the problem you're talking about, sort of. I was going to ask you, what do you mean by when you say hide it? What, what do you, can you elaborate on that? Okay, like, um, all the stuff that I started dealing with when I started the recovery, I didn't really find anyone that I could interact with or that could understand it so i just kept it to myself so especially in the beginning you know if you get back like when i had double vision and they were worried that i'm walking into the walls because i have peripheral vision problems i remember walking close to the walls to create like a perfectly symmetrical double vision world and the wall is kind of like where the two worlds meet you know so i walk with the sorry your guide rail and it's also cool to look at because as you expand and contract that part being closer and further from the wall. But when you're really close, it's like the two worlds are splitting without any wall there. So it's just the the wall part can be added or subtracted or moved in and out of your vision. Um, and then Do you I... still have any visual issues going on at all? No, I mean, aside from poor vision, from probably reading and looking at screens. Yeah, yeah, just um, But no, I, you know, we, we were talking about brain fog. I didn't use the term brain fog. I heard you and other people since I started talking to people, but it was like, I tried to do something, I can't. And the can't was a crash that was so like devastating that it... Hold on one second. Yeah. Yeah. Would you agree that it was something along the lines of kind of like hitting the accelerator on the car and the car just not going anywhere? Hmm. The ignition, I'm trying to start. I'm trying to begin a thought. And instead of it not going anywhere... Uh It's like, um, just like a malfunction, almost like a crash and burn malfunction where I was exhausted mentally in a way that I can't describe aside from it being like an absolute complete exhaustion. Um, just a mental blank slate, you mean? It wasn't blank. The, the blank slate, a blank slate I would use to describe the way I felt about whatever used to be in my head and my mind, you know, like at like normal periods of time, that was a blank slate. It's like, um, no, it's like you get hit with a two by four. It was like a knockout level of exhaustion, but it was mental. It was not physical. Uh, it's fatigue beyond description. Yes, fatigue beyond description. I have no idea how you could ever possibly describe the fatigue that it is unlike any other fatigue that I've ever experienced. Right, right. It's just beyond description. It's just unbelievable. It's instant. like that. It's an it's instant like thing. Any other that I ever Literally, I sit to do an algebra problem. I try to do it. I can't. I try again. I crash. The rest of life was not as hard, but it was still very hard. 
and it was like really um taking all my attention and effort. I'm glad I had attention. I'm glad I had focus and ability to keep it because everything just took forever. Once I didn't get the blank on anymore, it was still moving really slow. And that's the kind of thing that I think is like the brain fog that you described. As I'm sitting here trying to think about it. Yeah. Now, the, the brain fog and the fatigue are not, I, I would, they go hand in hand or something like that. Um, I mean, the fatigue was, there is no way, I tried describing the fatigue for a long time. Mm-hmm. The only thing I came, ever came up with, and I don't know how good this is, it was as though somebody stuck a straw inside my head and just sucked out every ounce of energy completely out of my body. Right. When I say my body, I mean just, I don't think there's any way of describing what that fatigue is like. I'm, I mean, it's a little bit, to me, it seems like the chicken and the egg. You know, what came first? Is it the, the brain fog that creates the fatigue or the fatigue that creates the brain fog or... Something, you know, something like that. But I think it all emanates out of the same dysfunctions. Yeah. It's different than an infant, just a newborn baby. You think so? Into the world. That's how the it was. The only way that the baby has of interpreting the world is through its eyes and ears. Like maybe touch, I don't know, but certainly, you know, eyesight, eyesight's a big part of it. So it's the same thing. Tell me about and it. Because in that sense, I think our first year state was different. I fractured my skull behind my right ear. Right. Um, and I was unconscious for about an hour, bleeding from my nose, where, where, where this thing happened was a rural residence. Okay. And these people took about five hours to get me to a hospital, and the hospital said, go home, take a couple aspirin, and take it easy for two weeks. Wow. Um, so we didn't really find out anything that was going on. I kind of remember... For some extended period of time, I don't know how long, uh, I spent probably the bulk of the day in bed sleeping. And I'm using that term somewhat loosely. Mm-hmm. The, um, you know, there was no surgery. They didn't have to have my head. There was no brain swelling. Right. Um, so what was your state and, and what was it like? My state, uh, I was able to talk, but uh, I don't really remember it. I, I probably wasn't very good at holding a coherent conversation. Right. It was a business trip I had scheduled for back east. So I think about two weeks went by. I just took it easy. Uh-huh. That's about all I remember. I didn't do much of anything. I went on a trip. And I remember having, meeting these two guys for breakfast early one morning. Um, I'm sitting, you know, one guy's to my left, one guy's to my right. The guy to my left just said something. And, and then a second later, I had no idea what he had just said. Right. Got through that meeting. I canceled the rest of the trip. Uh-huh. Came back, went to the doctor, and uh, they thought I was uh, embellishing or whatever the fuck they called it. What was that interaction like? If they thought you were embellishing, what did you say to them? If, Of course, if you remember. I didn't put up with any shit from anybody uh-huh. in this whole thing. Um, and my big problem, certainly back then, far less so now, um, and this came out of all the cognitive testing that I went through, was that the file drawer kept on getting stuck. I knew stuff, but I couldn't articulate it. I couldn't get it out of my head. couldn't communicate. Um, but you knew it. Wow. Right. You know, inability to retrieve information. There's a file in the drawer. You know it's in the drawer. You know exactly the fi- which file you want. 
but you can't get the goddamn drawer open. Mm-hmm. Stuck. So how do you get the file out? How do you open it up to find out if whatever you know your ability to retrieve information? Right. Um, one of the things I told Claire early on was no matter who, no matter what, under no circumstances, always get a copy of every medical report ever issued. Sure. And um, I completely forgot that I had my own disability coverage. <laughs> hmm. And uh, I forget how much time went by before I filed the claim. Uh, I did it with Social Security, but that was the kind of work that I used to do. I knew how to underwrite stuff. I knew what was needed. Right. And I would just tell Claire when it would come to me. And, you know... You were able to get on disability? Uh, yeah, I think the private stuff came... I don't remember which came through first. There was one carrier left a voicemail saying, yeah, you know, come on, we know you're faking it or whatever. And I called up, spoke to the supervisor, and I told them, do not ever call me again like that. Wow. And then they started, I, there was one carrier that I suspected was going to start giving me a bunch of shit. And I wrote them a very succinct letter and haven't heard from them for 20 years and it just kept on cutting the chest. At least you got shit yeah. inside and out. Uh-huh. And it just took a long time to write a letter or whatever with an enormous amount of rewriting and editing done by Claire. I would sit down and write, and it would just, I would just write. I wasn't paying attention. I mean, I couldn't. Grammar, structure, it just did a brain dump. Yeah. You know, the health financing model, what, what wasn't done and what I did after, years after I got injured, was I started doing a lot of writing on it. And I wrote a treatise that turned into the book, and so on and so forth. And all of that turned out to be phenomenal rehab. And I can remember the year before, whatever the hell it was, I couldn't have done it. So that's pretty amazing. What What do you remember, if you do, about the levels of getting better at the writing, the levels of, you know, concentration, or was it the attention, was it the... I think it's very gradual, very slow, gradual climb. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, taking a... a, a rock hammer and chipping away at a granite wall, uh-huh. you know, or trying to eat an elephant, you know, one <laughs> small piece at a time, so to speak, or something like that. And, you know, it's a double-edged sword because the effort is so unbelievably taxing on you. Yes. And at the same time, that's how you end up getting better. Right. And, and in that taxing, so for me, you know, just years of that um every single thing was taxing and so it's the same thing when you're doing that i mean it's you know you're, you're chipping away at the wall and it's a fucking bitch unbelievable the most arduous undertaking i could ever imagine ever undergoing. and you've talked to me about the frustration so is that where it came in for you or did it come in kind of across the board no i think that i think the frustration is uh I don't think it's confined to anyone seeing any one facet of a brain injury. I think that probably the greatest one, though, is um, the extent to which it impedes your ability to communicate. Interesting. Regardless of the form of communication. Hmm. Some people will look at, you know, people with brain injuries and think that they're mentally retarded or, you know, Down syndrome or, you know, or something, you know? I don't and, think um, that they, they, they know. I don't think they know how to think about no, it. No. Yeah. Um. And I remember there was one woman who was, a, I think she was a nurse. She, you know, she came home from work one day and her entire house was empty. The entire family packed up and moved on her. What? Wow. Yeah, that's what I thought. What? 
So she had had a brain injury, and she had just carried right. on. Damn. Right. I mean, I don't know how bad, you know, maybe they were moving anyway. I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> she but just forgot their move. <laughs> Going back to our discussion earlier of the relearning and the regaining of, like, the skills as you were writing. So you had an awareness, or or let me ask, did you have an awareness as you were regaining those things that were part of you once, those abilities that you had once? And, you know, what was that like? It must have been gradual across, like, a long amount of time, right? It's a very long, slow climb. How long? How slow? I frankly, I think it basically ends up being the rest of your life, whether you like it or not. Yeah. You know, I got injured in 97. Um, the, uh, I've been working on the healthcare thing. Every, everything I've been working on came to a dead stop. I mean, obviously, I caught cold people, sent them emails, whatever, I got in touch told them what had happened, you know, I can't do this anymore, and of course everybody was really sorry, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Ten years later, in 2007, I think it was, um, after ten years of doing three years at the U of O, uh, tons of computer games, um, mostly Doom and Solitaire and things like that, um, the... uh, I just lost my train of thought, Dan. Where was I? No, no worries. We're, we're talking about the long, slow climb of recovery, but, I mean, that's a weird question that, that probably has a lot of parts. Um, oh, oh yeah. okay. I know where I was going to go. So, in Please. 10 years after I got injured, yeah. doing all this stuff, thinking that I was okay, uh-huh. all right? Yeah, I looked okay. I looked, you know, I sounded okay. I was a lot better than I was 10 years earlier. For sure. And an opportunity was presented. And I went to a meeting here in Oregon, and it turned into an unmitigated disaster. I have no idea why. Uh, I lost my focus. I lost my attention. I turned into a babbling idiot. And I realized afterwards what I had done, and I had no idea why it happened. There was no sense of control over it. It just happened. Wow. And I realized, you know what? It wasn't okay. Not even close. Yeah. Part of what I mean, and I think that touches upon what I've spoken to you about before, about this element of self-delusion. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to call it. You know, you're too deep in the forest to see the trees. Well, shit, you look okay to me. You sound okay. What the fuck's wrong with you? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Especially which when they're... Exactly the point, which, is, which is exactly on point, really focusing in on. From my experience, I have... I was like, nobody gets yeah. it. They don't understand. I'm going through, and I'm left on my own to fix what I can. Now that I talk to people, to a large extent, I mean, hold on. Yeah. What you just said, to a large extent, is absolutely true. I'll say more than a large extent. I think it is true. That's all. That's all. Entirely. (laughs) It is almost entirely on you. I mean, look at what happened to you. Yeah, they can take care of you, and you know, I mean, acute care in the U.S. phenomenal. No question. You end up in a bad car accident, they will bend over backwards to save your life, in many cases will. Yes. Okay? Uh, right. But the... <laughs> but the rest of it goes on the... <sighs> that's what, Okay, so that's all I'm trying to talk about, is the rest of it. Yeah, the rest of it. Yeah. The rest of it is the rest of your life. But the rest you of it... better, you make improvements, yes. But I don't... I'm not entirely convinced that there's any such thing as a recovery. And not only, I mean, I certainly think that's true, 
with a brain injury, but I'm also I also tend to think that uh, that's probably true with any trauma. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But you know, trauma is still trauma. You can't forget that imagination is not going to replicate, cannot replicate experience. Right. Right. So when you talk about when we talk about this to somebody else, no matter what it is that we're discussing. The only thing that somebody who hasn't been through it empirically and doesn't know what it's like empirically, nor why would they want to, uh, so all they can do is use their imagination to try and imagine what it's like. But imagination is not going to replicate experience. That that will be the limitation of your ability. That will be the limit. That's the only limitation that you have in, in probably this entire endeavor. Well, there's other limitations. I'm just trying to promote a discussion about something that I don't think is discussed because people don't, some people don't know about it. Other people who experience it don't know how to talk about it or it gets minimized. And I know why I kept everything to myself for so long. Um, I'm still kind of dealing with the feelings from that now. But I was going to ask you, yeah. you know, you said you did well cognitively, you know, yeah. what about emotionally? Dude, that's the thing that I like suppressed it all and just kept it, I don't know where, it's not like it all came out and I resolved it, <laughs> so, you know, I'm dealing with it now, yeah. but um, what was the emotional side for you like, if you don't mind sharing? Um, depression's been a big problem. Uh, I went through a pleurisia of serotonin reuptake inhibitors over a long time, more than 10 years, I knew that. When? Was um, it in the early part of the injury, or later? Or? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, and that was the only, they were the only thing that kept me from falling into an abyss. Wow. Uh, although, I, I don't know, I would have, I could have said this at the time, but I think when I look back on it, uh, I think Tai Chi has been uh, almost like magic. So what was that? change like and you told me about your Wu stance experience but what did it well well, let me back up a second what I'm trying to get at here is that meditative practices Mm -hmm. I don't know if it matters much how it's you know the the form by which you do it um, is how I'm trying to deal with the depression and all that so that's how I've been dealing with it and I'm trying to stay away from pharmaceuticals that's great you know a number of years ago my doctor told me to pee into a bottle comes back and tells me i'm diabetic um i don't remember how many years ago this was and uh turns out that uh there is a craving a chemical in chocolate that when you have a brain injury you will crave my weight got up to about 240 pounds or something like that Mm -hmm. which was a lot for me they had me on medication uh, for about four or five, maybe six months. In the course of about a year and a half to two years, I lost about 50 or 60 pounds. Wow. Uh, I started doing Tai Chi, uh, or I had been doing it for a couple of years, and I kept on doing it more, you know, frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started playing table tennis. I'm not diabetic anymore. I got off the medications change my diet mostly by just not eating so much crap yeah there are other things that can be done that are not invasive relatively inexpensive 
and to be far more valuable. Your experiences you with know? Tai Chi and your experiences with table tennis, from the way you described to me how it changed you and the levels of change and the levels of like this, I don't know what term to use, but it's like a holistic change. It's like a whole self change. Very, very much so. Yeah, so. With or without a brain injury, it is slow. You're not going to feel the change. One day, you'll just notice something. <laughs> In terms of like all these drugs they advertise on TV every night. I mean, you know, we're just a population of fucking guinea pigs. Um, I think that exercise also physical activity that is meditative like table tennis and tai chi and swimming and a lot of other things could really help people um i don't know but i postulate it's what helped me because i was exercising from the beginning i was always pretty prone to exercise and kind of needing it and i think it helped me a lot in my recovery there's also a lot of brain science about how exercise helps there's no question so yeah that, it was that was what was suggested to me early on I couldn't do anything. Why? Fucking fatigue was just, I mean, you know, it was just, I mean, it was just, like I said before, it's beyond description.